Hello, everyone, and welcome to Banter and Barbells. I am your host, Joy Hindley, and today our special guest is Lexi Young. So just to give you guys a little bit of a background, um, I sauna every day, and I always would see Lexi in the sauna, and so we started chatting, and I started to really learn a little bit more about her and her story, and it just was so inspiring, and like, we have to have her on. She um, is just I like, I look at her now and I'm like, wow, you went through that. And so we'll get into the story. But um, again, thank you for uh, joining me today, Lexi. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. For sure. So, okay, this is, I mean, should we start from like, kind of like the beginning when you were younger and like kind of walk through? Everyone's probably wondering, what are we going to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a wild ride. So Joy, thank you for having me on. Yeah, my name is Lexi Young and uh, life today looks very differently uh, or very different than it potentially could have. We'll put it that way. So far back, I mean, I think Joy, when we were talking about it, I told you, I was like, yeah, my journey started when I was 10. Right. <laughs> now I was full blown disclosure. away. Wow. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Cause I see everything you're doing now. You're like, for you guys listening, Lexi is a coach, a trainer at lifetime. Like she's, she's a teacher instructor and she does everything. I mean, literally everything. And so I'm like, you're amazing. And then now I hear this story and sorry, we'll switch it back to you, but keep yeah. it moving. And, um, let's, let's keep hearing your story. Absolutely. No, it, it is. It's, it's, it was a 14, I kind of time box it and say like, it was a 14 year journey from the moment I found out to, oh my gosh, like you're going to have, you know, kind of a lifelong, um, hurdle. You're always going right. to have to jump over all the way to, I feel like I finally dis- dissipated off of medication, had my mind right, understood, you know, eating and just like the, the crazy patterns of what's in our food and, and right. how it all kind of fits together. So way back. Uh, so my story wraps around people probably like, what are we talking about? <laughs> so uh, I was diagnosed when I was younger uh, with a bone discrepancy called hemihypertrophy. Um, so hemihypertrophy wow. essentially breaks down to one side of your body at birth grows bigger, faster, and stronger in the bone and muscle structure than the other mm-hmm. side. So for me, that was my right side. It was bigger wow. than my left. And so in when I was in fifth grade, right, you have all those things where you go down and you bend over and then they test you for scoliosis. And they're yep. just like, oh, is your spine straight? Is it not? Well, in the scoliosis testing, mine came back and I got like a form sent home with me to just give to my mom. That oh said, my like, gosh. Like Lexi or like Lexandra needs to see a doctor like immediately. So my mom's like, all right, took me to my family MD. Obviously she's like, I have no idea what's going on. Like you probably have scoliosis, but I was never formally diagnosed. Mm-hmm. We hopped to a few different doctors and ultimately landed at Gillette Children's in Minneapolis. And we met with a surgeon named Dr. Dahl. He specializes in a lot of this stuff. And he kind of just looked at me and, you know, they had me up on the x-ray stack. So again, I was like 10 and he's like, you don't have scoliosis. He goes, he's like, lift up your left leg. And he shoved this block like underneath my left leg. They took the x-ray and it came back and my hips were even and my spine was straight. So he goes, yep. He's like, I'm like officially diagnosing you with hemihypertrophy. Your left side is he used the word dwarfed at the time. Oh, um, wow. And he said it That's is. That's a lot <laughs> yeah. to and dig the, in, right? Oh, yeah. And at the time, they he had said, like, we don't know 
how much or how little, but we have to track this. So that was the beginning of the story of like, oh my gosh, like, okay, diagnosis. But the biggest thing, and especially I think back, like now that I'm at a point in life where I want to start a family and I'm, you know, my husband and I are starting to think about kids. I think about my my parents and how the surgeon was just like, oh, by the way, like we can't fix it now, but someday we will. (laughs) Right. And just how your heart just sinks. Like, you know, because I'm a mom and I can relate to that. And I'm like, oh, I can only imagine like the the gut-wrenching feeling your mom felt like I can't do anything about this. Right. So, and they actually, once I had booked a few additional appointments, they had done x-rays of my hand, my feet, because doctors can actually tell uh, within like your growth plates, how much your growth plates are fused within like a hand x-ray to show like how much a human being is going to continue growing. Super fascinating. So it was this constant like, x-ray of the hand and at that point my right leg was so much bigger than my left that they said hey we're actually going to get you into um like we're going to put you under and we're going to have a surgery and we're actually going to remove both growth plates in your ankle and your knee in your bigger leg so I was 11 at this point so I was in sixth grade (laughs) and they were like you're going to go to school on crutches you're not going to be able to put weight on it but like we need to do this so if we stop that growth around that ankle Mm -hmm. fibia tibia knee etc the left side will eventually catch up and so they tried to do their best to estimate how long that would take based upon all those x-rays so fast forward wow I had that surgery as a you know 11 year old like Apparently it was a champ. Don't really know. I'm pretty sure, you know, I got a stuffed yeah. animal and ice cream and it was all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, no major like medications. It wasn't consi- what, what I guess my family right now considers like a major surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took place and I still have the four scars from it. You can see it clear as day when I teach barbell strength or anything else. Yeah. But wow. uh, over time, my leg did catch up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but once I hit like seventh and eighth grade, um, I took after my dad and I really wanted to run. He was a huge marathoner, cross country runner. And I just like, I wanted to be like him, like played soccer. Right. But when I was done play or when I was done with the surgery, the doctor was like, Hey, you, you can't play contact sports. Like you should probably ease off of that and try something different. So I was like, Oh, running is perfect. Might as well. Right. Um, but it's interesting because as I would run in seventh and eighth grade, I would get these headaches and I would start to get these migraines. And I all of a sudden was just like, every time you got done, it wasn't a physical fatigue. It was a mental fatigue yeah. and just like this fog, um, just That's like crazy. so many things in life. Right. Yeah. What, why was that happening? Why were you getting them? Was it related to? Yeah. So they actually found well, as I grew. So the seventh and eighth grade years, they said the surgery didn't fully work. Okay. So the left leg didn't really catch up. Uh, the right leg obviously was stunted at the knee and the ankle, mm-hmm. but not the hip. And I'll get to that, which is super fascinating for those who are interested in kind of the anatomy behind it all. Yeah. But uh, point being is my mom had to take every one of my shoes in. I could never wear flip-flops or any cool heels, but she took my shoes in Aww. to a, his name was Bob, Bob Shoe Repair in YZ. He's amazing. And he literally added seven eighths of an inch under every single one of my left shoes. So oh my from, and then, and then at that point, 
you know, we went to go see like a doctor and they're like, look, you just can't do, you know, impact sports. Like you got to look into swimming or, you know, I mean, at one point they were like, even walking is going to like trigger stuff. And I mean, at that point you're like 13, 14, 15 years old. And you're like, what do you mean? I have my whole life ahead of me. Like what, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I went out for the swim team when I was in high school. So let's just jump to like ninth, 10th grade. I had that lift in my shoe, seven eighths of an mm-hmm. inch, so almost a full inch of just like <laughs> silicone or whatever you want to call it. So you're like wow. walking around like this the whole day. I went out for swimming. Uh, hands down was probably the slowest on the team. I was on JV, but I was like, all I need to do is just be active. It's so good mm-hmm. for us and it's so good for yes. kids. I mean, I even think about kids now. It's like we're so, they're so focused on their phone and it's all this dopamine, this serotonin, this mental stimulation. But yep. like, kids are built for that cardiovascular, like build that cardiovascular system, build that muscular system as you get into those teenage years. And it's so important. So I was like, whatever, man. I like, I went to Eden Prairie High School at the time. It was one of the most competitive swimming schools, like in min- the state of Minnesota. And I was (laughs) was just chilling. So, but I will say that that opened a huge door for me because a bunch of these girls who were on JV were like, oh, we don't do this for the competition of it. We do this to train for synchronized swimming in the spring. And I was like, synchronized swimming. I was like, you mean what you see on the Olympics or whatever? (laughs) Um, So quick side story, fast forward. If I would have never had this you know, diagnosis, hemihypertrophy, all this pain, I would have never joined that synchronized swimming team. So fast forward to today, I swam for four years, went to state through my four years, made it to the top division, which is so cool and so humbling. And the girls that I swam with, I still, I don't necessarily talk to today, but I just like absolutely adore them. Um, And then once I went to college, I assisted for four years. I went back to my alma mater, assisted, And then once my coach, who I assisted for, resigned, I actually took over the head coach position. And this would be like my fourth year going into that. So it's just so cool. I mean, I I think about like, I hear that. And I'm like, that's so inspiring that you took something that was, I don't want to call it a disability, but like, you took that and turned it into something that was so great. And you went to state and look how far you like, wow, that's insane. Yeah. People needed to need to hear this so that they can, you know, like I, I was telling you when we talked about this earlier, there's always someone that would rather be in your shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like knowing that, like there are people out there that can hear this and be like, okay, maybe this isn't working for me, but maybe if I focus on yeah. something different, I can excel in it, you know? A hundred percent. And, and even just to have, And I think now that's why if I have swimmers who have any sort of true disability or have some sort of, you know, issue ergonomically or Mm -hmm. even just participants at Lifetime who come in and they want to take a class and they're like, you know, hey, I just got done with a surgery or or, hey, I tweaked something and I injured myself. Like my, my empathy is off the charts. Like you are and it is it's such a gift to be able to give people the safe space that. Right. I was given at one point yeah. because there were so many spaces that weren't like when you were that yeah. young and you're growing up and all those things. So that's wow. your side tangent, but really where the bulk of the story is, which everyone watching is like, Oh, it's not done yet. <laughs> the bulk, the bulk of the story is really my junior year of synchronized swimming. So I actually, it was described to me as a tear. I'm pretty sure it was a tear. 
which is just like a little hole in my, in one of my rotator cuff muscles in the back. And this was like three weeks before sections. And as any, I guess, former athlete knows in high school, right? When like something happens in high school, like that's your entire world. So it just felt like everything was like crumbling. Um, and I, and I went to a physical therapist, tried to get better. And they were like, yeah, we don't really know why this is impacting like your shoulders. Like there's really nothing that says. So all these things kept happening. And I, at that point to my junior year of high school, I was, I mean, there's a reason why I don't take it to this day, but like my mom was like an Advil dealer. Like I couldn't get Uh through a day of school without a headache. I couldn't focus. And the only way to make the like tension in my head go away was a full eight hours of sleep. And then I'd wake up the next day. I'd feel good. But then by like halfway through the school day, I was already just like, I like ringing in my ears, like this, just yeah. this pulsing pain. And we did not know why I was still wearing my shoes. I was still doing everything wow. I said I was going to do. Um, but I mean, I got my license when I was 16 and I told my parents, I said, I don't know how this all works. And I don't know if you'll come with me, but I have to go back and see Dr. Doll because I know something isn't right. And my parents knowing like, okay, you're taking Advil, like there's pain, like you're coming home from school, like, okay, there's got to be something. So they said, all right, we'll go back as a family. When we went back and I got re-x-rayed. So at this point I was 16, almost 17 years old. Dr. Mm -hmm. Dahl slid more blocks underneath. He said, we're back to where we started. He said, yeah. He said, you, Oh my he goes, you grew more. And he, and so this is like the biggest thing is people are like, well, why didn't they, he take the growth plates out of your hips? Because as true anatomy shows, right. As females, we grow in our hip area more when we're older than we do when we're younger through that, you know, peak development time. But I, we quickly learned that in order to actually remove a growth plate from your hips, you have to have a hip replacement. That is how deeply embedded a hip growth plate is, which is why. Oh my gosh. Think. So there was no way they were going to do that when I was 10, 11 years old. They were like, there's Absolutely no way. Absolutely not. Yeah. But in saying that, then when I grew through my hips and grew through my femur bones and grew through my torso, we were back to the beginning. So for those who like numbers, um, I, they had said that if I had never had any of the three surgeries that I had, um, mm-hmm. I guess four altogether, but three for the specific lengthening, uh, I would have been over two inches different, different in you, my and right and my and left. You're like, so is it, your knees were off or your femur or everything or just... everything. So everything wow. from like, even everything from like the toe, like my feet, like my foot on uh-huh. my left side little bit smaller. I have a little bit more room in my shoes, my fibia and tibia, Jeez. my knee, like even when they like looked at the patellas, um, femur bone, like, uh, like even my hip sockets now to this day, my left one is much smaller than my right one with the so kind of the bones that peak out there. So it's, um, and I wish I knew the specific name of like the area of the, the hip socket, mm-hmm. but, um, so they were essentially like, all right, we got to find plan B. So right away they were like, we have to do this and we have to do this soon because you're going like, we're not going to be able to get in. So the big, the big piece of the story that I'll I'll leave some details out just because it's, it's extremely, um, I guess, (laughs) uh, maybe highly sensitive, but we'll put it this way is my surgeon had said, Hey, like there is a technology out of Germany 
It's called, mm-hmm. um, at the time, I, I forget what it was called. I used a technology called the Ellipse Nail, and it was out of California. Okay. So that's originally what I had my senior year. But there was another technology that was very similar. And essentially, what they said they were going to do was they said, we're going to remove the kneecap. We have to lengthen your femur bone on your left side enough uh-huh. to make sure that your hips are even. So in order to do that, we're going to go in slide your kneecap over. We're going to hollow out your femur bone with a saw. And then we're going to take some sort of hammer-like object and we're going to break your bone. They couldn't saw it because it had to be rigid. Like it had to be a rigid break instead of a flat break. Otherwise it wouldn't calcify back together. But they essentially took a tool, broke my, will break my femur bone. And then with the break, they would insert like this long nail looking thing. And then they'd attach it with four screws. So I know some people get a little like a little like gutted because it is very graphic. Um, And I still have some pretty bizarre scars to prove it as well. But that was one option. And then the other option was, oh, or we'd cut out a bunch of bone and then we shorten you on the right side, like on the bigger side. But that that option, they told me, they said, we're going to we'd cut through muscle, we'd cut through ligament, we'd cut through tissue, and you would never be the same. And so my mom and dad, you know, stepped in, obviously, as wonderful counselors and said, like, no, we're going to go the lengthening route, because we don't want you to be shorter. I mean, on a good day, I'm 5'3 in the morning. (laughs) By the end of the day, I'm about (laughs) 5'2 half. So um, even just thinking about that situation. So we, we waited for this technology through Germany. And the part where it gets a little dicey is, um, there was an approval from overseas and from the FDA to work with this technology. My surgeon actually used this specific technology on older men before. Um, and oh. had, it, it was super successful. So my surgeon was like all about this. He's like, I've done this. I know this works, et cetera. All of a sudden insurance completely canceled it. And we had no idea why. Oh. So here I am, I'm like in pain. There's no end in sight. I'm, I'm clock is ticking. Like I'm supposed to go to college. Like there are all these, just these different things in life that you don't know what to expect. And we found out after my 18th birthday and during my senior year that my insurance company blocked this technology because it was for exploratory uses only. They had never done it on a five to young, like female Essentially, Mm -hmm. they had like all these stipulations and my insurance company was like, well, essentially what the FDA is approving is that they're going to do an exploratory surgery on you. Oh, and by the way, there have been repercussions where like if you keep it in too long, the bone fuses around it and then you can't get it out or like they're just like some gnarly, like wicked gnarly things. So I won't go into any more detail about that. But the point, the reason I tell you is just because there was just this everybody thinks that my story is so physical, but really yeah. the, the biggest mental. piece was mental for me. It was like, wow, now what? One more day, yeah. one more day. And I would, I will say too, like for me personally, there's a huge faith aspect to it. Like yeah. just the people who prayed for me, like the church that I was involved in, like there was yeah. so much to it, but like mentally to have to think like, no, like you're going to get through it. You're going to get through it. But thinking that at this point, right, for eight years and just like wow. the pain mounting, you're like, when is it going to end? And especially when you're supposed to, you're, it's like you're a senior in high school. You're supposed to be going to prom yeah, and doing fun. all these things. Exactly. Totally. That's so insane. Po- 
Yeah. So that all happened, you know, September, October, but then we got a call end of October that said, Hey, the ellipse nail, it's a new, it's an existing technology. It's similar to the, you know, Germany technology. It's in California. We're going to either fly you out there. We're going to fly it out here and we're going to get this done this December. So then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, it was just the biggest relief. So I'm like, okay, okay. So one of my legs isn't going to be right at that time, 30, I think it was like 30 to 33 millimeters shorter. Okay. So about somewhere around an inch, something like that. So you're thinking about like all these steps, but then it was like, okay, what about classes? Like I almost didn't graduate. I had to work with like all my teachers because they were like, you're going to be out for a month or two. You're going to be on medication. I don't know what this medication is going to be about. And Mm -hmm. you're going to spend a quarter trying to just like mentally catch up. So, but knowing that there was a date and knowing what I was going to go in for was obviously something that we had to prepare for, but was something that we were excited Mm -hmm. about. Um, Now, fast forward to the surgery, everything went fine. It was about a four hour surgery. So nothing, you know, extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, I, but yeah, I had about nine IVs. I was, I had two epidurals. I was 18 years old. I will say like from the medications and opioids and antibiotics, just, you know, I couldn't, obviously you're (laughs) a little drugged up for, for, for pain reasons. Um, and I was in the hospital for two, I think two or three nights. And then either my mom or dad would come stay with me. And they did tell me, they said, now you're not going to be able to walk for a good, Mm -hmm. you know, month or two, you're going to be in a wheelchair. You cannot put any weight on this leg because the bone was completely broken. So where we're going next is this next phase that really is really like any, any person who has this surgery, this is your Mm -hmm. make or break. Like this, this phase is your make or break because what happens is within that rod, within that nail that they put in your leg, they had a rare polar magnet. So it was like a magnet that like is from a very unique part of the world. They wow. had that magnet also in a, like what looks like a, a like an old Nintendo 64, like controller. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. It looks oh like a, a, a gaming controller. And that controller also had the magnet in it. So when you would, so my surgeon like put an X on my leg, like with like a permanent marker and was like, this is where you need to hold the machine. And I, I can show pictures of it too, but yeah four times a day, I had to hold that machine over my leg. We turned it on and those magnets would spin and they would spin to the point where then that nail would actually elongate and it would (gasps) separate. So then over the next month, the goal was we needed to separate my bone and actually like have a clear like gap around this rod so that we could like lengthen it so that then Mm -hmm. for the next month it could calcify around it you could take the nail out and your bone would regrow so i'll 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 send you pictures it is okay incredible like to this day if like i feel like if the normal if a normal human being knew the power of their body and how incredible of a machine it is and how intuitive it is like we totally underestimate what our bodies can do for us we underestimate very good point the nutrition that Mm -hmm. we put in our body and like what we eat matters right we underestimate healing of our body and how capable it is 
And we underestimate just how the mind body connection like really manifests itself. Like it is, it is fascinating because I'm like, okay, who in the world would have thought you take, you, you break a bone, you extend (laughs) it and then you sit there for three weeks and all of a sudden you see the, and in these x-rays, it's wild. You see these like little lines and then over 30 days, your bone literally regrows after it has a gap like this. It's, Isn't that crazy? It is wow. wild. And that's not just like calcification of like, here's your bone. That's mm-hmm. bone marrow. That's blood. That's everything right. that everything. your body needs to operate um, and yeah. function properly. So that's- Were you in pain? Was that painful? It had to be painful. Do you remember? Or did you block it out? <laughs> um, so, th- so that that is the touchy part for sure. Um, yeah. So the answer is hands down yes. Um, so much so that I was maxed out on two opioids for over a month. Um, it completely ruined my gut, my stomach acid, my intestines. Oh, um, I can't even imagine. I didn't. Um, I ate, sounds gross, but like literally all I could keep down was deli turkey and mandarin oranges because it was like my, like I would just get these nauseous reactions. But every time we tried to ease off the Valium and the oxycodone, I would like, it was so painful that, I mean, I had some episodes where it was like, you can't even like function. So it actually, so I had the surgery December 6th of 2012. And Mm -hmm. that December on Christmas Eve, we were in the the doctor's office because I was in so much pain. I couldn't even cope. And he, he did tell my parents, he said, if we give her one more milligram of either of those drugs for her height and weight, she'll overdose. You, you have to find a different route. Oh, wow. That was when like, I knew like, this is see it even, and even see how it like triggers like an emotional response in me. Like I'm like going to cry. There are like, there are certain times where it's like the mind body or like whole moly. So so, uh, point being is instead of lengthening my leg and using that machine four times a day, which is like on a four hour schedule, by the way, my dad is hilarious. He had like a whole like calendar built out and was like, 4 a.m. He's like, what was it? He's like, 2 a.m. We take Valium. Oh. Like 4 a.m. We lengthen, and then like at 6 a.m. Oh, we take so oxycodone, cute. and then like, and then Lexi sleeps for one hour. But literally, that was it. It was the two drugs rocked for pain. After yeah. I lengthened, I would pass out or sleep, whatever you want to call it. I'd wake up yeah. an hour later. I'd feel good, whatever good meant for an hour. And then we do it all again. And that was my life for a little over a month. So then by the time we lengthened and we were done and we handed that dreadful, you know, (laughs) Nintendo 64 controller over, you know, (laughs) then he, they said, okay, well now we get to try to dissipate off the drugs. Cause the whole, the whole point of the medication was to manage the pain while you're lengthening. Cause so many people were like, Mm -hmm. well, you're lengthening a gap. So like, what's the issue, right? You're not, it's not like your bone is fused together, but really what, what it came down to was you're not lengthening. Like, sure. You're lengthening for a gap. Yeah. You're lengthening muscle. You're lengthening yeah, everything. tissue. You're lengthening ligaments. You're lengthening skin. You're like, yes. and it, so uh, the reason why we ended up in the, the doctor's office on the on Christmas Eve that year is because I was I was then diagnosed with sympathetic nerve disease. My nerves were so what? fired that like you couldn't even touch my leg 
without sending me through the roof. Like that is how, that is how like sensitive everything was. Oh my God. And there was even, and I, like, I almost hate to tell this story, but like a good example for those who are parents, like my dad. So my mom actually took FMLA. That's how big of a deal this was. She had to quit her job to yeah. take care of me because I couldn't do anything oh my on my own. And so my dad was working. And so my dad, before he'd get up for like his early mornings, there were a few mornings that he'd come in. And actually, while I was sleeping, he tried to lengthen my leg for me so that I didn't have to have like the pain with it. So he'd like come in, he'd put the machine on it. He'd like (laughs) remove the blanket, turn the machine on, hope in the world that I like wouldn't wake up. And then he'd like scurry away. And then I'd wake up and my mom would help me with like the balancing of the medication there was one morning I woke up and it was like (laughs) it was like all hell broke loose and my dad just Uh, cried like he couldn't even handle it because it was so painful and my parents even look back now and they're like well now knowing what we know knowing you teach classes run three marathons you coach synchronized swimming you do all these you know things to keep yourself fit and you know ultra fit, you know, you're sprinting, yeah. you're maxing out a treadmill, right? All these like, <laughs> right. <laughs> really cool, crazy things that like I've done now are, are awesome to like, it's like, oh, it was all worth it. Right. But like, if right. you would have looked at it, like going to college, my parents actually said, we would, we don't know if we would have done it knowing what we knew or like knowing what we right. saw, like in right. front of us. Exactly. So, That's, and, and, and God, I just like, I mean, you jump to kind of like everything you've done, but like, the, I mean, that's where I was like, wow, you've done all this, but then you had to go through that. Like, it's just crazy to me like that. So then you were, you dealt with this for about a month. Then did the pain like get a little bit better? Like were you all of a sudden starting to feel better? Or like, how did that look? Yeah, it's a good question. It, it really, so the, the physical pain got a little bit better. Um, I had, I actually had that nerve disease reaction Mm -hmm. for um a good four years later so it took about four years for that to ultimately like fully dissipate and I I have some funny funny stories to go along with those things depending upon our time frame but um once we were done lengthening I was still in a wheelchair they let the bone calcify and as I was easing off these meds it had nothing to do with withdrawing from the meds it had Uh it had like like from a I don't know. Yeah. From like a withdrawal standpoint, that's not what got to me. What got to me was the repercussions of the medication. So good example. I was like, a at that point I was about to grad, like head into my, you know, spring of my senior year and I was wearing reading glasses. I could mm-hmm. barely look at a, a screen or blue light because it was so much on the brain because oh. the meds were so, they were, they wow. were so intense. It was stuff that's like, fascinating. Yeah. And then it was like eating, like when you've only, when you've lit- literally eaten nothing but like water, deli, turkey, and like mandarin oranges. Like, yeah. Like I, when my grandparents saw me for the first time, they were like, oh. they like didn't recognize me. They were like, cause, cause you just, right. you, you've lost all this weight. You haven't moved. You haven't walked. Right. You haven't lost muscle, weight, all of that. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. No muscle anymore. One of my, my, le- my left leg, which was the lengthened leg looked like a chicken leg compared to my right one because it was just so, yes. you know, cause when I would crutch, I'd at least use my right one a little bit, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't use my left. So it, it was all those things that were, it was just so bizarre, but it was the transition mm-hmm. between 
okay, you have the wheelchair. Well, great. Now the bone is calcified. You still have the, the, the rod in you, but now you can transition to crutches. Okay. Well now we can Mm -hmm. transition to crutches. All right. Well then after about a month there, then it's like, okay, well now you can have a cane. All right. Well, okay. Who wanted, who wants to use a cane when they're a senior in high school? I think I had a blue sparkly cane one day. I think some guy made fun of me and I was like, I'm not going back. I was like, I'm not going back. I get it, right? You're just trying to feel better and get moving. And then like, we're worried about what people are going to think by having a cane. You know, it's just like that yeah. society, right? It's so oh sad. Gosh. Absolutely. So, like, yeah. And kids, wow. you know, when I'm in a wheelchair, I mean, I had some phenomenal friends and they were primarily my church friends who they'd wheel me to my next class or, you know, goes, you know, yeah. there were some really supportive people, but yeah, you always have, I mean, I heard through the grapevine, it was like, oh, she's doing it for attention. Oh, this and that. And you're like, I'm like, fam, I am way too tired. I'm only 18. I'm way too tired for this. (laughs) Like if you only knew, you know, and, and and then my mom would come pick me up because I had my last hour open. She'd drive me home and we'd kind of, you know, do the nightly routine. But at least at that point it was managed through, I mean, Tylenol, it's, it's definitely not good for us, but I could manage at that point through Tylenol when it came to this the, the nerve stuff. Um, but then I will say like by that summer I was able, I graduated, I walked across the stage, which I am so thankful to say. I did graduate on time. Thank goodness. Uh, just because of some phenomenal teachers that I had in high school who just worked with me, made credits work, all the things I had committed to Buffalo university here in St. Paul, Minnesota. So I knew I was going to college but the last thing before I could go and be normal, or at least so I thought, was they said, okay, now we have to schedule your surgery to remove the nail and the screws or the rod no. and the screws. And they said, oh, and by the way, that's going to be in August. That's going to be 20 days before you go to college. <laughs> so then, Oh, my God. So then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, so here I am, you know, going to Ikea, meeting my new roommate who... You know, yeah. and my, well, actually, it's funny. My, both my roommates, I was in a triple and both who are now my matron and maid of honor or who were in my wedding, right? So my best friends, but you're, you know, I'm meeting them and I'm like, well, <laughs> here we are, by the way, just in case I can't see or think when I get to college. Exactly. But I will Aww. I will say I went in that was a super easy surgery. I'm pretty sure it was like 45 minutes, but I did have to go under a second round of an- anesthetics and that's another fun fact that people don't really know about surgeries and like when you go under. I I mean some people mm-hmm. know the risk that's associated with it. Yeah. Um others not so much and I won't go into that, but uh really when you go under anesthetics That Mm -hmm. the anesthesia stays in your body from 12 to 16 months after the surgery. So So crazy to go in, have anesthetics, have antibiotics, have those, you know, opioids, have everything going on. Finally have feeling like, okay, now, you know, I'm outside in Minnesota. I got some vitamin D. Don't have any, you know, all this stuff. Then they're like, oh, by the way, now you're going to go back under. You're going to have a second round. So this is going to take, yeah. So, so internally it's going to have that. It's going to, and I, I forget, I'm not even going to go down that road because I, I forget the specifics of what they told me of what I would Mm -hmm. see. But I remember they told me, they said, you need to make sure that you're moving your body because Mm -hmm. part of that is going to combat the nervous system piece that 
anesthetics attack. It has something to do with our cells, the nerves, et cetera. I, I will, I don't know. I don't remember enough behind the science, but I just do remember they told me you need to keep moving and you need to, you need to make sure that you're eating healthy and trying to get as, as many vitamins and minerals and nutrients in your body as you possibly can. Um, so had that surgery. It was a breeze. They, they took everything out, but then now I had holes in my legs, right? Cause the nails were holes in my bones. So this, this is, it's a story that just keeps going. And when I say like, it was a 14 year journey, like it truly was a 14 year journey. It was like, everything led to something else. It was like, when is this ever like this, this big door closed, but like, when is this next door going to close? And so, and that's like, exactly. but, but my encouragement for anybody who's in something like that is they do close like, and, and eventually yeah. someday, like the whole chapter, the whole book is going to close in like the best way, yeah. you know? Um, right. and then, right. and then it'll be on to the next thing, the, the new chapter, you know, whether that be meeting somebody or a new job, a career, traveling, whatever right. that is. But um, I love that. So it's, it, but it does, it does get wearing. It's like, man, mm-hmm. when am I going to catch a freaking break? And I feel like so many human right. beings can relate to that in different ways. Like, oh yeah, whether that's, definitely. Whether that's a, you know, injury or something physical, like I went through or whether that's grief or loss or, right. or right. you, or even some stuff in your career or, you know, be, mm-hmm. being accused of something you didn't do. Like sometimes we just don't feel like we can catch a break. And I know that that's really frustrating, but at the end of the day, like there is always like that silver lining, like there is always that light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that that's something that's super important for people to, to remember and to think about and to think about how they can, they can make that light happen and and achieve that light a little bit faster. Right. Cause for me, if I would have never done physical therapy, this would have been a way longer road. Right. But I knew I was like, the closer I can get to that light at the end of the tunnel, like the, the more I can do to accelerate that. The, the more yeah. I'm going to do. So whether that was like eating healthy or whatever it may be. Um, but that kind of transitions into the very last like stretch of my puzzle, which is when, when I was in college. Um, I mean, I, I'll be frank, like I didn't party in college really. I mean, sure. When I was 21, I had a few drinks and all the things like any normal <laughs> human being does. But um, I, like, I really, I really didn't have it like any, like, I'm just so susceptible to what I put in my body now that just because of everything I've been through that it was, it wasn't always like worth it. Um, so it was so much of my college career was just spent healing and trying to build and trying to like, Mm -hmm. just, just trying to relearn myself. And so physically like with my body, I started to run, I was swimming, like I was doing all these incredible things that I was like, whoa, like I don't have pain after I run a 5k, like this is amazing, right? But it was- Oh, I bet that felt so good. Like after everything you went through, you're like, wow, I never thought this moment would be here. And then here you are, you know, But after everything. But, and I would say that's the thing, because right now we're probably about 10 years into my journey. The last four- they were all mental and they were all, they all had to do with eating. I'll even, Mm -hmm. and, and I'll even be as transparent to say is I was diagnosed with medical trauma. I don't know. I mean, when Uh you say that out loud, it sounds kind of funky. And to be honest, the doctors who told me this, it was a team of three doctors. They were completely separate from the Gillette children's team. Um, I sought help because it turned into it turned into an eating disorder. We'll put it that way. I could never yeah. keep anything down. Yeah. I had no, 
stomach acidity, nothing sat well. And it just, it ended up being one of those things where for a good two years, getting it out of my system was so Mm -hmm. relieving because I could, because nothing would process. And I didn't know why here. I thought like, oh, I'm fine. Like, like it it must be me up here. And once I met with this team of doctors, it was a dietitian. It was a, an actual MD. And then there was an, um, oh, and then a psychiatrist and the three of them worked together and they're like, you don't really have an eating disorder. You have medical trauma and your body subconsciously is remembering all of these things. And you need to like, really like, we need to start watching for like triggers. So it was actually Mm -hmm. everything that rolled over from the nerve disease and that diagnosis. And it was, and instead of it becoming external, it was internal. And just the way these doctors put this picture together. And I know it's so confusing for a listener, right? It's like, well, how does, you know, something physical become an eating disorder, become medical, like, but it, but it's true. Like that mind body connection mm-hmm. is wild. But once they told me and they're like, no, this is medic, this is medical trauma. Like you have triggers. It's probably based yeah. on your, your nervous system. That's when I went to a chiropractor who specialized in the neuro, like neurology and focused on the spine yeah. instead of like the bone manipulation. Right. He has helped me so much that you, to this day, now I can sit here age 28 and tell you, like, I, I don't have those reactions anymore, which is like amazing yeah. to say, because even into like, good. Okay. Funny example. Last like short story. When I started dating my now husband, you know how, you know, yeah. partners are, spouses <laughs> are, they're not, you know, guys are, they're supposed to be sweet and they like, you know, touch your leg and they're trying to be when, well, which leg is on the side, you know, when you're in the passenger seat, it's the left side. So when my husband, Joe would touch my leg and try to be all cute, it would actually trigger a nerve response in my left leg. And I, and we were on a, like a great date, nothing was wrong. And I would like my entire like physical body would like shut down. I would get so overwhelmed and it was solely because of a nerve, like an internal nerve reaction that I had no control over. So it took, That's it insane. took mental practice and it took emotional practice to work myself out and mm-hmm. say, this is not a threat, right? Like you actually have to tell yourself like when something like that happens, yeah. like this is not a threat, right? You, you have to relearn physical responses. Yeah. And so that was probably the biggest hurdle for me over the last like, or at least what was the last four years of my journey up until I was about 24 years old. Um, But post that, I mean, when I was 24, I got into like a really great job. I married my husband, you know, I, he graduated from college and all of a sudden life started to shift. And just that being, being so grounded spiritually throughout this whole thing, it was kind of like a new chapter and like everything was released, which was really cool. Oh my God, you're just like so so inspiring. I can't. I just, it's Um, cool to be able to share, right? Because you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) So let's, let's talk about all of this is so positive. It's just so great. So you then like, what I think is so fascinating, like your dad was always a runner. I think you said your mom was too, right? Uh, my mom ran track. Yeah. Or maybe it was. Yeah. But your dad was a big, like, 
marathon runner. Oh, yeah. And then you have now ran four, which you mentioned earlier, uh, right? Four? Three. Yes. Three. Or is it three? Well, three. I finished two. My third one, <laughs> we, we crapped out at mile 20, but I was like, it's not worth it. Cause it was actually, oh it, my God. That's cause it was amazing. actually a nerve response that my whole left leg locked up. And I was like, it ain't worth it. But yes, I've, I've been able to run three. I, I finished two, um, which has been a, a really big deal and super fun. That's, I mean, I haven't even ran one. <laughs> there you go. And I, I'm like you, it makes me want to go run a marathon. <laughs> like you're so inspiring. <laughs> Seriously. Thank you. I thank you so much for like sharing all of this. Like it's, I hope like people, you know, get the same response and like want to do something better with their life. And like, you know, try harder, whatever it might be that, that allows them to do that. But like, I also like, we follow each other and I know you, it, it, it's a whole, it's a whole picture thing, right? Like you do the things where you eat the healthy food, yeah. which nourish everything in your body. You, um, you, you keep, you know, you keep going like, right. You, you coach, you, you instruct, you do this, you do that. And you keep your body moving and healthy and active and fun. And that all goes back to the mental, the physical, like everything. And like, look at you now, like you are such like a prime example of like everything you've gone through. And now you're like living like such a great moment of your life. Like you should be so Thank proud. You. I appreciate that. And yeah, there, I mean, it's, it's easy to get caught in, you know, just, just the phases in life, right? It's like, okay, get this done. Like the holiday season, you know, that we're heading right. into right now, just, you know, get your shopping done, get this done. But sometimes you have to look at it and you're like, look at how far you've come. Like whether that be right. bouncing back from an injury, whether that be, you know, I don't know, growing your family. I have so many kids who are having kids right, or so many friends who are having yeah. kids right now. I don't have kids, <laughs> but right. like I have, friends that are having kids. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, look, I'm like, you just became a mom. Right. And they're like, they're like, Oh, well, I, yeah. I don't do this and I don't do that. And I, it's like, um, you just became a mom. Like that is a big deal. Right. Or even just right. people who I know who have lost immediate family members. And they're like, I feel like I should be done crying. Yeah. It's like, but that's never, right. it's never gone. Like that's never, like that's never, no. the goal isn't to be done with grief. The goal is just to be able to, live with it and live with the good, the good memories instead of the tough ones. Yeah, I definitely, right. Right. And I I know I always think about this too. It's like, if we go back a year, five years, whatever it is, never do, do we think like, we never think about how proud we should be at where we're at today. Right. Like at any given moment, but we should be like, look back at where you were a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is. And it's like, you know, you should be proud of who you become and like where you're at in life. And like people need to be more like self, I guess, clapping yeah. for each yeah. other. You know what I mean? And being like proud and own it. And, and we should be doing more of that versus like putting people down and like putting ourselves hundred percent. So, and that, that's probably the um, thing that I'll end with here is that no- nowadays too, like when, when I talk to, like friends, like my favorite thing in life and the thing that I cherish and treasure the most is to see the people in my life win, like whatever that looks like to them. But like, if I can see them win, like that, that's like, that's what life's about. Yeah. Like, what a blessing. Like what, like, what are we put on this earth here for? Cause right. I, I mean, sure. You know, the 
Gucci bag or the nice house or whatever you think about is like <laughs> great, but like, what are we really here for? And yeah. it's for people, it's for community and it's to, it's to encourage each other. So when I, when I look and I see participants in a class recover from an injury or come back from a surgery and I see them win, like, I would just encourage people like, tell those people that like, tell them you're proud of them because we don't even take times to tell ourselves right. that we're proud of ourselves go to them and I tell agree. them, like, I'm proud of you. Like, look what you did. And sometimes all it takes is one person to tell you what they saw and it changes your right. entire worldview of who you are. So super cool. Yeah, no, that's so true. I, wow. I like, I'm at like such a loss <laughs> for words and yet like, I'm so I'm well, one, I lost you on my camera, but, um, Oh, I'm sorry. You, so okay. It's, okay. it's all good. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, I just like, I'm so thankful like we finally got time to do this and I I hope so many people can benefit from listening to this just to like there you are just to like you know like know that like like I told you going back to like there's always someone else that would rather be in your shoes so anybody right like there is someone that would rather be in your shoes Lexi when you were going through all of that that maybe was going through a worse who knows who knows what happened right but like we just always have to be mindful of that and like never take our lives for granted and just be thankful every day. Like we can move our bodies, but at the same time we need to do the work to like keep yep. them nourished and healthy and all of that. Absolutely. Things, you know? Well, thank you for having me and for even allowing me to share the story as well. It's, it's been a long run, but it's uh, been a, it's been a good one. So. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think I've ever cried on my oh, podcast no. before, so this is a first. Same. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to say it. Like it was, it's so moving. Your story is so moving for me. Like I'm so thankful. Awesome. So thank you so much yeah. for being on. And um, I'm glad you're just like excelling. Right now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks, <laughs>